Hey, this is Jay. Before we start the episode, I wanted to share some really exciting news. Calibra was just named a leader in the 2023 Forrester Wave Report for data governance solutions. If you don't know what the Forrester Wave is, it's essentially a guide for us buyers considering options for software. If you want to get to know Forrester a bit better, go back and check out our recent episodes with Raluca Alexandru and Michelle Getz from Forrester. I love these conversations. We had a total blast. And I can't resist making a plug here either. To learn more about the report, go to Calibra.com slash data download dash Forrester Wave dash DG. And we're going to put all of that in the show notes as well, so that it's easy for you to navigate to them and check out those reports. All right, back to the show. This is the Data Download, your guide to upping your game when it comes to managing and accessing data in your organization. For Calibra, I'm your host, Jay Miller. The ESG topic, or environmental, social, and governance, has gained in momentum and traction over the past several years. We see emerging focus on regulation around it as well, particularly in the financial sector. That's often where we see regulations focused, but it's here to stay and expand, all to encourage better behavior, really, to improve conditions in our societies. ESG also inspires opportunity and innovation into new products and new businesses. There's a lot to get into here, and I'm grateful to have this conversation with someone who knows way more about this than I do. My name is Martin Meyerich. I'm partner at PwC, based in Frankfurt, and uh, I'm working within the consulting practice, helping clients with the sustainability topic, mostly focusing on financial service providers. Why don't we just get started with the basics? Can you define ESG for us? What does that acronym stand for? It stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance, and uh, includes a lot of things around climate, biodiversity, and uh, how we consume energy, and what we can do better from an environmental perspective. Mm -hmm. But also from, from a social standpoint, like what are equal opportunities, human rights, health and safety, a lot of things that are associated with these topics. And then, of course, governance. Uh, what, what's good governance? How should boards be? composed, uh, what are diversity quotas, um, compliance topics, and also shareholder democracy. Uh, so a lot of topics that are needed also from an organizational standpoint to deal with all those topics. There are some regulations around ESG. Much of that is really driven formally coming out of Europe in your region. Can you kind of summarize for us where those regulations stand? Maybe is it for a specific industry, or is it all industries? Tell us a little bit about the regulatory aspect of ESG. Here on the European side, we have already committed from a political standpoint to certain targets that we want to achieve as a region by 2030. One of the helpers, let's say, in order to achieve those targets is also that there is a new regulation required that influences different sectors to a different degree okay. in order to support the political will to achieve certain reduction of greenhouse gas emissions, but also the mix, how we produce and use energy, that we move towards more renewables, and also the way how we present certain transparencies for different 
corporate figures and information, but also on product levels. And um, what we see here on the European side, that the regulators started very early with the financial services sector, because um, it's also around a reorientation of capital flows. The political landscape soon realized that in order to achieve all the targets and ambitions, they are... Um, basically you're required to include also the financial services sector in order to reallocate capital for all the new sustainable projects and investments that we need in order to achieve the target. So therefore, a lot of regulation in the beginning focused for financial services, but we also then realized that in order to achieve those requirements from a banking or asset management or insurance perspective, you also need information from your investing companies where you invest in or where you hand out loans to. And therefore, also those companies are now in future required to basically disclose more information, which are not only financial information, but also non-financial information. And there's now also regulation around what you need to disclose. In addition, what is your, for example, climate path that you would like to work against um, a certain ambitions regarding reduction of greenhouse emissions. So it's starting for financial services, but we also see it now evolving towards other sectors and uh, other industries. You started off by saying that we came to a political realization first and then regulation followed. Yep. And it's mostly starting out of the financial sector, but it's that regulation coverage is also expanding as well. Yes. So what's important for me and exciting for me is that it, some of it is complying with regulations, but this one feels different, right? This feels like it's not just regulation for regulation's sake. It's not just bureaucratic. It is meant to make the world a better place, right? It is. And I think it's also that a lot of my clients see not only a regulatory burden, but also a huge chance in order to contribute to a better, healthier planet or society from different perspectives. And, um, it also moves away that in the past, a lot of focus was only on complying with the regulations or what is the cost of a certain product. And now it's also around impact and can we influence the world from different dimensions with our services and goods that we produce or financial products? And um, what is the impact that we, we kind of leave behind while producing those products? Therefore, I think the dimension has broadened. It's not only doing it tick box exercise from a regulatory perspective, but also thinking out how can my products and my services help contribute to the overarching goals that we have all set. And of course, they are shaped and designed by certain political, um, let's say, guidelines and, and strategic ambitions. We also see a lot of purpose-driven developments within the different sectors that people really understand we can contribute and do something different than we did in the past and make that also transparent to the public. Regulation is helping companies to do the right things with respect to environmental impact, et cetera. But companies that are regulated are also seeing this as a chance to make a better impact on the world. What's the substance that this is giving to us, this focus on ESG, to make it more than just a PR statement on making an impact, but an actual impact? Are there measures that are being... It's a very interesting uh, question. I think we've also seen different phases of evolution in, in the past years. A lot of companies in the beginning 
thought this might be something um, where you kind of do a PR trick and gain a lot of publicity and position yourself as a leader in the field of ESG because you have done it already for a number of years and rather use it as a marketing instrument. But soon after seeing that the rest of the market in the different sectors was kind of moving in the same direction and everyone had some kind of ambition to become better in the ESG topics and to make products more sustainable in whatever way it was possible, they soon realized that there's also a lot of public transparency that's being enforced by regulators, but also from, let's say, clients, investors and associations, interest groups asking questions, okay, can you really live up to the standards that you put on your website, put into different prospectuses? Is it more than just marketing? And uh, given the developments of the past years, we really observe that the risk of mislabeling and putting something out in, into the marketing window and saying, well, we are better than we actually are and what we can then also prove afterwards is also a risk from a corporate or organizational perspective because of in the financial market, the so-called greenwashing risk that you mislabel and market something which isn't as sustainable as you claim it to be is also a risk, a huge risk from a reputational perspective. And um, firms not living up to the standards are being also punished for mismanagement in that area. I think there have been plenty of examples in the past years that corporates are now much more let's say, reluctant to overpromise and uh, do actually more marketing than they can live up to compared to maybe three, four, five years ago, where it was less that the regulators, but also the public would be in a position to measure. And also there was one other question and also to kind of get a real sense, how good is it what you do in, in the terms of sustainability? And what we now observe, the regulations help because they define also standards and um, certain metrics that make it more comparable across different players, across different industries. Of course, we, we have the challenge that in the global setup, we still have regional differences. And in some areas like the European landscape, for example, is already matured in some areas more than other regions. But it's not only that the Europeans have developed things. There are also other regions um, like in the US, you might be still a bit more advanced in some areas, for example, regarding diversity and uh, what it means um, compared to what, what we define here on the European side. So I think this is something where we can all learn from each other in the different regions, but it's still that I think we are further developing certain uh, standards and metrics. And in that development, we will still see that some firms will overpromise and some others um, will be a bit more reluctant. But I think it has already reshaped from being very vocal, very marketing driven to more Let's first produce substance and then be vocal about it. You mentioned the U.S. Uh, I wanted to ask a couple of questions here. So a lot of what we talked about so far is environmental impact oriented, the E part uh, of ESG. But I think G matters too. And the NASDAQ stock exchange now requires companies to report on the diversity of their board of directors. And I think in a couple of years, they're going to start requiring a certain percentage of their board to be diverse. Is that a good example of um, other aspects of this that aren't environmental? Absolutely. Um, and I think how a board uh, should be diversified is a great step. And um, on the one hand side, you could argue like, why does it need regulation in order to do that? If you have the worst teams, it improves overall team performance. And um, you should think there is an intrinsic motivation by a lot of corporates to really have diversified views also on the top levels within the boards. 
On the other side, you can see evidence that in the past years, we have not moved as fast into that direction that we are always diversified. And therefore, um, it's a great step. We can always learn from other regions. And this is clearly something where U.S. is leading because um, how you define what is diverse, it's not just male, female. And this is clearly something where the European side is, is still needing to catch up with the U.S. because we don't have that detailed discussion yet. What we define, how should a diversified board look like? It's a lot of focus on only male, female, and maybe age, but not the other diverse elements. Right. I think it's huge. And I think that that visibility makes a career path to the top visible for others who might want to seek that kind of growth in their careers. Uh, so it's not just in helping boards to make decisions in a wider, more diverse way. It's also something that pays it forward for an entire generation who are watching boards become more diverse so that others can see a path for themselves. And I think one, one interesting element about that new um, rule um, is that you have that transition phase where you can kind of explain why you don't comply. And in that area, it's still that firms are being forced to really have that discussion, that debate, like, why aren't we living up to that standard? And I think that that triggers a lot of interesting internal debates within the organizations. So it, it's not just presenting something towards the public and making something transparent on the website or in a periodic disclosure, but also having that internal debate, why not? And, and what is hindering us? What's the limiting factor to be more open and to, to be more inclusive for all the different diverse elements that, that you could include when you compose a board. To be realistic, there can't be like a big bang where you change everything at once. So it, it's more about also defining a plan and defining a transition towards the ambition and to the goals that you set to start basically a journey to change and to be open about it, to, to align on the targets and then um, make that also public and uh, make it subject to debate. And I think that that's something where the whole ESG topic and then the diversity element is just one element is really helping to spark discussions and to get corporations and uh, leaders thinking what you can really do differently in order to contribute to the overarching goals. We talked a lot about E and we talked a bunch about G. Let's talk about S, social. What do you see as the current focus on that? Is it a company's fairness and compensation practices? Like, tell us more about the S. Let's get into that a little bit. This is something, as you rightly say, that, that's now following the strong focus on the E element. And to give you some insights, what we discussed currently on the European side, we had a lot of debate. What is the, the syntax? How do we define what is sustainable from either an environmental perspective or a social perspective? What the regulators have, have now come up with is a hundred of pages long document so-called taxonomy regulation, where they define what is the taxonomy in order to make the differentiation whether an economic activity is sustainable or not. And we started off with a lot of environmental elements, but now we are in a current phase where drafts are being published and uh, subject to review and commenting phases for the industries in order to define what are good social activities that shall be supported and where the investment should go to and what are things that we want to improve. And human uh, health, safety, human rights, 
these topics have been always buzzwords in the past when it came to, to social elements, but now it's taking a notch more detailed in order to define, okay, what is it that you need to do? What are the elements that you need to fund from a bank perspective or from an insurance perspective? What is it that you need to change differently? And we have that current debate. It's not carved in stone that we don't have the final regulation, but we have started the discussion. And what we already observe is a very detailed set of requirements that we will see on the European side from the regulators, which go much beyond what we have seen in the past. And uh, this is now also helping uh, firms in order to really establish new services, new products that also think out what can we do to contribute to social. And um, it's still evolving. I think we, from a timeline perspective, we will need another couple of years to have that final. But it's clearly on the agenda of the regulators to have that kind of agreed. What do we mean with that? And what are the most common denominators that we should focus on? And it's also um, that some of the companies who did not even feel in the past that they would be owner of a sustainable product now realize it's much more than climate. There are also other elements, as you say, ESG, we have other topics as well, that they say, if we provide more loans for um, certain, let's say, labor related topics, which we didn't in the past, where you might not have huge margins in the past, and therefore there was not a lot of focus on. Now you suddenly realize there's another element because you have an impact, you have a positive impact in some areas if you do that, or um, if you provide housing for certain uh, low-income uh, groups. This would be something from a pure um, economic perspective, maybe something where some of the players would have said, it's not as interesting as some of the other parts of the industry. But now they realize we can link it with impact. To combine that, it might be then also a positive business case um, in the end for their stakeholders in order to focus more on social related uh, business activities. So regulation is helping companies to think about innovation within their own products or even creating entirely new products. That's true. On the one hand side, you also have the benefit that when you talk about ESG and you go into the different organizations and corporates, there's a lot of momentum within the workforce, within the staff, in order to really do something differently because they see the purpose and they see really a meaning if they do something differently. And that's completely a change compared to past regulations where corporates would only see it as a burden and kind of an additional cost factor to implement something that the regulators would like to see. In the case of sustainability, it's different. It's much more purpose-led and people are much more motivated to do things beyond the pure minimum requirements that might be defined in some of the regulatory texts. See, that's doing well by doing good. That's that all over again. I think that's great to see and hear. All right, so your area of focus is, is mostly in the financial sector, but you are starting to see this impact all sorts of organizations in other sectors. PwC as a whole, what other sectors are you seeing, you know, let's say get a focus with ESG, whether it's regulatory or whether it's opportunity-based or a mix of both? What comes to mind as another up-and-coming, impactful example? Yeah, almost all sectors are starting to move into the direction that they would like to become more sustainable or produce more sustainable products. So um, I haven't seen a lot of discussion in the past year with my colleagues 
who service other sectors where they said it's not an interesting topic for their client base. It is an interesting topic for everyone that we talk to. Of course, as you say, more regulation has kind of triggered the, the financial services at an earlier stage. So they are a bit more advanced. But we see that also for other high energy consuming sectors that they think out how can we change our energy mixes? How can we also reduce direct greenhouse emissions? Because that's also something that's being made public in the future. So we will see also more regulation for large corporates to disclose what is their energy mix, what is their disclosure regarding emissions. And so therefore, they are thinking about stakeholders beyond the pure financial KPIs and think, okay, what can we change? And that's a focus that goes across all sectors. We also see, um, as you said, how can we produce different products or change our production? There we see a lot of focus. Um, what's our supply chain? Is there something that we can optimize to reduce emissions by changing supply chains and um, also get transparency into the supply chain? So what am I sourcing from what kind of partner? And is the partner also living up to the standards that, that you as a corporate would like to see? This is being pushed in future also um, from the political side. So we will see more regulations coming towards supply chain and monitoring of the supply chain with regard to sustainability. We will see that basically here on the European side across all sectors in the coming years. Also, the topic around climate risks, that's also a topic that we see across all sectors. And there are kind of two sides, like one is it, What's the risk um, that you are being influenced and that your business model is influenced because of climate? And then on the other side, what's your impact on climate yourself? Then how do you measure it and uh, what's your plan in order to improve and uh, to change also what you have maybe as emission plan or what, how you contribute to, to a certain climate path? This is something where we see a lot of sectors currently debating and thinking how could a certain climate path look like in order to contribute to a better environment from a just climate perspective. Energy mix might be just one thing, but changing also production, manufacturing elements, a whole list of elements that are being looked at. How we support our clients, it's basically starting really from defining ambition and strategies all the way towards how can we actually implement that. So we see differences, but all sectors are moving in, in that direction. What are some of the biggest challenges that your customers face? Twofold. The ones who, who really focus on, on the topic and say this is the, the dominating thing, it's a lot around data. Data is a huge topic, but one of the challenges for the topic as such is currently, to be honest, also how is the changing political environment outside the pure sustainable topic? So we see also companies and sectors currently on the European side saying, well, given the U Ukraine crisis and uh, inflation that we observe, do we need to maybe focus also on other topics for a moment? And that, of course, is a hindering factor in order to, to kind of really push the sustainability topic. So I see twofold, like the ones who really focus on it, they have a difficulty to implement it and to cope with all the complex different, in some cases, even contradictory requirements because different regions have advanced to a different degree. And then you have other sectors to say, I have much bigger problems currently for a short time. Let, let's focus a little bit later on the ESG topics. A challenge is getting access to data to help. Can you be more specific with that? Maybe start from um, uh, 
supply chain perspective to really understand what's the, the different set of suppliers that you have and what is the different energy consumption. And to, to get a full picture, if you produce something, what is it that you would need to link towards that product or service from an emission perspective? That, that's a difficult, complex question. The other part is, for example, you are a bank, you have a large portfolio of loans. Now you need to identify what is that loan uh, in terms of sustainability. Is it uh, something that you could can map towards an economic activity that is sustainable? Then you have a different transparency uh, requirement. Or is it something where you say, well, it's not sustainable, which is also okay, but you need to disclose it at a certain point. And to collect that information, to build that into onboarding processes for new clients, for new investors, for new vendors that you onboard, that's something that a lot of companies struggle with. Another set of data, um, which is uh, difficult if you are um, a company that invests into other companies, be it a fund management company, for example, how do you determine whether a certain corporate is a sustainable investing company? So you, there are loads of data points that you can observe. Um, a lot of the data vendors and data providers are helping, right. but there are also a number of illiquid assets where you don't have public information, where you have, for example, a solar park or uh, a wind park um, where you produce energy, but it, this is not a public information. So you need to send someone out to really collect the information, bring it back, and then have a conscious investment decision. And to get that in a much automated digital way, that's a complexity that the industry still needs to kind of cope with and, and implement. The market is still maturing, but we are not there yet where we need to be. It sounds, though, that regulation creates some opportunity to create data sets that track that stuff, right? And as more companies have to comply with these regulations, they may have to publicize and publish that compliance data also, which then makes it easier for the investor in that other example to then consume that data. So it'll catch up with itself, it sounds like, over time, maybe organically in some cases. Absolutely right. What we will see also that some of the information will need to be disclosed publicly in a certain format. And that makes it then also easier, or let's say more easy, in order to digest if, if you need that information and data point. Now, currently, you're relying on a lot of um, data providers, which also have their own cost and fee structure. And in future, some of that will uh, move towards public databases and public data clouds that the regulators have defined and where certain information needs to be stored. That in, in some cases will not be enough. So you will have a mix also where you need to rely on data vendors, external experts that you send to certain uh, data points collections exercises. And you have also public information and that all um, being in a hybrid data architecture being combined and uh, where you need to keep an overview and also a certain quality assured. What you're describing here is just tremendous opportunity. Regulation is driving change, and it's going to move the needle for good. And companies also see the benefit to their own bottom line, top line and bottom line in doing so. There are other opportunities, right, for data providers and other others to, to even play a role. And maybe entire new companies and industries get spun up as a result of all of this. This is pretty interesting. So you mentioned the future. I like to ask all our guests to predict the future. What is this landscape going to look like uh, in five years? I think the topic will be still 
very high on the priority list of all the leaders. I don't think it's only a nuance for this year, uh, it will stay. I think we have a lot of aggressive timelines within the different regions, what you need to do from a pure political or regulatory uh, standpoint. But then there are also a lot of new market developments where small niche players, fintechs, tech providers move into that field in order to really help to change. We see so many new players coming up and doing something sustainable or helping old-fashioned industries to become more sustainable in future to tr help the transition. In five years time, I think we will probably see that we haven't achieved what we aim for from today's perspective, because if you get much deeper into the details, you see that it's complex and it will require a lot of iterations and smaller steps. So I think it's like rather a marathon than just like a five-year sprint. The topic as such will not go away. My prediction is there will be no sector, no corporate um, that will not focus on, on sustainability. There will be a lot of public pressure in order to become more sustainable and transition if you are in a certain sector that is not sustainable from today's definition perspective. Some of the smaller players will struggle with the huge overhead of regulations that will drive the, the progress for that topic, but at the same time also means that you need people who have the time and also the money to spend to implement those required changes. That's where some of the smaller players might understand it's a challenge for them. Attention across the world on the subject of ESG has recently gained substantial momentum and traction. Attention to climate change and what we can do to manage the harm that it causes. Attention to social impact, meaning human rights and equal opportunity and on formal governance at organizations with corporate board diversity and equitable compensation practices. What's really interesting to me about this topic is that it feels different this time. First, let's talk about regulations. There's quite a lot of regulatory focus on ESG, but that's not what's different in and of itself. What's different is that there seems to be a groundswell of public and societal desire for these things to be there. Some notable regulations, you know, over the past few decades were a more reactionary take on singular events. Think um, Sarbanes-Oxley for public company financial reporting. What's happening now, though, seems to be a gradual build-up approach that starts with first requiring companies to assess their current state and then report on that current state and then develop plans and eventually be held accountable to certain metrics rather than that 90-degree turn in what rules your company has to follow. The second thing that comes to mind is the positivity of what ESG is. It feels aspirational for the greater good. The focus really doesn't seem to be a, you know, quote unquote, don't do bad things. It's much more aligned with doing good in the world with some methods and frameworks and approaches, of course, right, to accomplish that. All in transparent and measurable ways. This is the data download podcast after all, right? The third thing that feels different to me is that word opportunity. New industries, new products are being created as a part of this. New ideas, approaches, techniques, just the thinking around it all. In essence, that's what diversity brings, right? So are all these thoughts universal out there? No, I'm not naive, but ESG's focus does give me hope. Hope for a better future, and I hope it does for you too. For Calibra, this is the Data Download, and I'm your host, Jay Millicher. We'll see you next time. 
even more insight into managing your data? Visit Calibra.com slash podcast for additional resources on the topics covered in our show. Be sure to follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss a new episode. And a five-star review certainly doesn't hurt our chances with the algorithm. It's all about the algorithm, isn't it, folks? It's a great way to help us reach new listeners, and we truly do appreciate your support. The Data Download is a production of Calibra in collaboration with Stories Bureau.